opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's the author of several books, including Negotiations, Breakthroughs, and Fighting for Love. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel, and she mediates business, employment, divorce, privacy, and other civil cases in her private practice in Laguna Niguel, California. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. She teaches leadership and conflict management courses at Brandman University and here at UCI, and she trains corporate leaders' powerful communication and conflict transformation skills. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, you know, today our show is about being involved in conflict, but how to resolve it within the mediation process. And, you know, the name, we changed the name of this show from Prescriptions for Healing Conflict to Fighting for Love. And we did this because, in essence, whenever we are in a conflict, we are fighting for respect, we're fighting for love, we're fighting for fairness. And so the best way to do that is really in a mediation process so that you can have some peace in your life and some resolution. And I am so thrilled to invite back one of my favorite mediator friends, Jan Frankel Shaw Esquire, who has been on our show before. And I'll tell you a little bit about her. She settles litigated cases arising out of employment disputes, business, and tort disputes. She has over 20 years of experience as a litigator, half of which was in insurance defense, and half representing plaintiffs in employment and business-related disputes. And she has a great understanding of both sides of the coin because of that. Since 2003, she has mediated over a thousand litigated cases throughout Southern California, and she's a panel member as a neutral at ADR Services in Los Angeles, and she's been doing that since 2007. She's considered one of LA's preeminent mediators, and she earned her bachelor's degree at Pomona College in Claremont and in international relations, and she got her JD at Loyola Law School. She's the past president of the Southern California Mediation Association and a distinguished fellow of the International Academy of Mediators. And one of the things that's really wonderful about her that I really enjoyed, and we interviewed her on her book, which is called View from the Middle of the Road, A Mediator's Perspective on Life, 
Conflict in Human Interaction. It's a great book, and we talked about it before. Wonderful stories. Us mediators have great stories that we can't, you know, we, we have to keep confidential names, but we protect the innocent, uh, but we get to tell some of the interesting things that happen that really are human interactions. She was named a Southern California super lawyer in 2011, 12, and 13, and she is a wonderful and effective and tenacious mediator, and I'm so glad to call her my friend. Thank you, Jan, for joining us today. Thank you, Mari, for inviting me back. So let's talk about, you know, a lot of people still, even though we've been mediating for so many years, I've been doing it for 30 years, you've been mediating for many, many years yourself, but, you know, there's still people who don't really understand what mediation is. So let's, before we talk about what they should do um, with a conflict, let's kind of explain to them really what mediation is and what it's not. Well, it's not meditation, and it's not medication. Um, These are the old jokes amongst mediators. Um, What it really is, what it boils down to, is a facilitated negotiation or facilitated process where the parties will agree upon one thing, if nothing else, and that is that they need some help getting to the core of their dispute and getting beyond it. And so they will engage a mediator who is neither on neither side and unbiased and neutral and trained in facilitating these kinds of conversations so that they can it's still their dispute and they can still do the negotiation but they're going to have somebody skillful in the middle that sometimes is the only one in the room that can figure out a way that they might begin to wander to journey out of that conflict that sometimes has been going on for years Right. And what's sad is that people sometimes think, well, it's my dispute, I have to resolve it, or I have to fight about it. And they forget, or they don't recognize that they can get a third party in to help them to kind of diffuse the emotions and really focus on underlying needs, what they want, how to help them to get a fair agreement. You know, for You know, when we think of the days of Solomon, when we think of, you know, the pastors and the churches and the and the rabbis and the priests, all of them. So but now we have actually established a whole real career in this to help people so they don't have to suffer in a in a terrible dispute. So so, Jan, let's tell our audience that what if you have a dispute and you would rather not spend a fortune in in trial so uh, what is the first thing you need to decide in whether to mediate you know if it's a good idea to mediate your dispute well I want to add something to what you just said about um, um, the clergy and about sort of society problems and that is that I happen to have had an interesting conversation with two lawyers today And one of the lawyers, who's a defense lawyer with a prominent firm here in Los Angeles, said that in about two-thirds of the cases that she mediates, um, they are pre-litigation. So an employee, for example, will um, engage a lawyer, oftentimes, to assert their rights. They're being sexually harassed. They're not being paid properly. The company refused to bring them back after a medical leave. There's a whole plethora of reasons that they might have 
claimed they were mistreated. Mm. But in her practice, at least, and I'm telling you, it's a prominent law firm, two-thirds of those go to a mediation before there's ever a lawsuit filed. And um, so that's what we're seeing, that this is no longer a woo-woo kind of concept, and it's no longer for those that can't afford lawyers. It's the first line, not the last line. It used to be alternative dispute resolution. In my view now, it's dominant dispute resolution because so few cases can afford to wait the time and spend the money to go all the way to a trial. So it's not just one or the other. There are lots of um, stepping ways along the way. Right. So when we're talking about what is the first thing you need to decide is, hey, give it a chance. May, maybe I can try mediation and avoid all the escalation of conflict, costs, and stress, right? Yeah, and I mean, I'm going to take it a step back. Look, I think the first um, line of how you resolve your dispute is you attempt to communicate directly with your adversary. Right. Meaning you got a dispute at work. You go to your boss or you go to the human resource department manager and you complain. If you can't get resolution there, then you may have to seek a lawyer, but you still want to tell your lawyer, call the other side and see if you can make things right. And if that fails, then oftentimes those two lawyers will um, engage a mediator. But I think people should still feel empowered to talk to one another. Exactly. You know, we see... There was a piece recently in a New York Times article about um, Google and um, how people are so entrenched in their social media that they have lost the ability to empathize and communicate directly. And that there's some astonishing figure like 40% uh, decline in empathy amongst college students since um, they've been testing this in 2000 or something like that, meaning we all kind of quit reading one another's faces and dealing directly with one another. And, and you know, I, I worry about people communicating and trying to resolve issues between them in an email. They don't see the face. They right. they can easily miscomprehend. Or if you're saying something and you think it's funny, it could be very offensive if someone doesn't know that you're kidding. So you're right. It's so important. And the young people, and here we are on the campus of the University of California. So it's really important, even though you're walking around and texting or you might be eating dinner with your girlfriend or boyfriend and you're texting instead of talking with each other. Right. It's so, really I'm important. I'm for giving business to mediators, and I think that they serve a great purpose. But when you ask me a question about what's the first thing you do when you've got conflict, it's try it the old-fashioned way. Right. It's been working for centuries. Exactly. Uh, failing that and failing the next step where an advocate or an agent is retained that can help you through it, then I think having uh, a setup on some neutral territory where you meet with the other side and you have a third person guiding you through the conflict, somebody that has some skill and some um, and, and no stake in the outcome, per se, might be exactly what you need. Right. So let's talk about, let's say that you've decided, you've um, decided that you want to get a third party to help you. You want to choose a mediator. 
Um, and let's say it is a workplace dispute. Let's say it is something about sexual harassment or a wrongful termination or something like that. So now you tell your attorney or you tell whoever you're working with that you want to try mediation. So then people will wonder, well, how do I pick a mediator? Do I just look in the yellow pages? What? Well, we don't even have yellow pages except online <laughs> yellow pages now. But do I just look online and look for five stars? Or what, what do I look for in choosing a mediator? So increasingly large corporations have um, provisions within their employment agreements where they will have um, a list of mediators that they have used successfully. Um, oftentimes, it's um, one side or the other will submit a few names, and that makes it, frankly, a little bit easier because then you can just vet those names as opposed to the whole universe. Um, at this point in my career, and I'm sure you've found the same, it's very seldom that one side or the other doesn't know me, either by reputation or I've worked with them before. So. Um, typically, when you get down that far, um, you will either go to an agency that, like the one that I work for, ADR Services, um, that would have a list of mediators in the particular field. So they, they'll send you a dozen employment mediators or a dozen personal injury mediators, um, a list of mediators, and then it's kind of um, easy to go by name, look them up, you'll see what they've written, what they've lectured on. Um, it, when you're re represented by an attorney, the attorney will ask their reputation within their own community, their bar associations, and that sort of thing. And then you just choose your best. Um, there's nothing wrong with picking up the phone and calling a mediator. Some people don't understand that, unlike a judge, you can call your mediator and you can actually ask them questions. Have you had experience where someone is asking for a million dollars? Have you had experience where there's an immigration issue? Have you had experience um, with pregnancy discrimination? You can ask those kinds of questions and then decide for yourself. I get those calls maybe once a month, and once in a while I don't get the case. I don't know what I've answered <laughs> right or wrong, but they decide somebody else maybe has a better experience or maybe they're concerned about my bias. You know, they find out that I have children of my own, and they think, oh, no, she's a working woman who must have worked through pregnancy and post-pregnancy. Maybe we don't want her. So I never know why. Right. Um, some of it's your best guess. But basically what you want to know is that you have a neutral that has the experience, that has some subject matter expertise or comfort, and that is not biased by one side or the other. Right, right. And, you know, there's also some websites like Mediate.com that um, has mediators, and you can read what they've written. I know, Jan, you've written a lot. I've written a lot. That's another one. And also some of the courts have it. Like we have a panel of mediators for the Orange County Superior Court, and they have a discount for the first two hours if you're in the court system. And then, of course, there's the Southern California Mediation Association, of which you were president years ago, and I was on the board, and, and that is also another place to look for people. And you're so right, you know, pick up the phone, and the mediator should be willing to talk to both sides and give them some insight and see if that's a comfortable or a good match or a good fit. 
So let's, and I have often heard that yeah. there's a preference out there that if somebody really wants to work with a particular mediator, unless um, there's some glaring concern about it, the other side will go with that because that's a mediator who's developed the rapport with that particular client or side of a dispute where they'll listen to them. So, you know, don't be um, worried about accepting somebody else's recommendation. Right. Okay. Well, sometimes there's a worry like Kaiser or, or some company that has used a particular mediator over and over again. There is a worry that maybe there will be some bias for their company so that there'd be an incentive for that mediator to, you know, not, the mediator doesn't make a decision, but a mediator can help to influence a party. So you have to, you know, you really want to find a mediator who is neutral, and you can even ask them, well, you've done a bunch of mediations for this particular company or whatever, and help me understand, you know, I don't want to feel that I'm pressured because you are working with that company. So, you know, be upfront and and ask those questions. So, um, before we leave that comment stand, I feel a little bit like the Republican debates when Donald Trump says something about one of his staff members having an autistic child after vaccination. I need to speak up because I am on the Kaiser panel, and they're very, very careful about how they um, vet their mediators and arbitrators and also the disclosures that are required so um, yeah and as long as you disclose example and might have been true years ago but as far as I know you don't need to concern yourself on that particular well a mediator I think is a little bit uh, less of a worry than an arbitrator in these cases as well so okay so in terms of when you should mediate you started to talk about that before Jan about pre-trial or pre-litigation um so does it it doesn't it depend on the situation about when you should mediate we always have this little saying it's never too late to mediate so I kind of like go- to say people should mediate early and often <laughs> because yeah. there are different um dynamics when you mediate before a lawsuit is filed after a lawsuit is filed, the one that I'm mediating tomorrow is after a motion for summary judgment has failed and they've got a trial next month. Um, and there are even mediation panels that serve courts of appeal. So after a trial, um, there's mediators. I don't happen to do that work because I don't understand how a person can do it very effectively once there's been a win and a loss, but mm-hmm. even then. So I, I think there are lots of opportunities. Um, my personal view is you want to know just enough so that you know what you're talking about so that you can fairly evaluate the claim. Right. But it's never going to get less expensive from either side. It's never going to be a better time than tomorrow. Yeah. Meaning um, a month from now, everything changes, right? The attorney's fees have gone up on both sides. Um, in, in cases where I mediate employment cases primarily, there's been another month of lost earnings. So at every juncture, um, it's more expensive for both sides to wait. If it works, it's a beautiful thing. If it doesn't work, then revisit it at key points 
during the life of the litigation, but I think early and often is my mantra. Yeah, especially in employment. I think you're, you're so right on, Jan, because in employment disputes, it doesn't really help either party to have this employment dispute going on because for the employee, if they file a lawsuit, especially if you can do a, a pre-litigation mediation, if they file a lawsuit, that's going to hurt them to, you know, probably to get another job. So if they can right. resolve it before litigation, that's going to keep that that public record from getting out there. And for the company, they don't want to ruin morale with the rest of the people. So if they can get it done and resolved, then they can move on with their business. So I think you're so right. In One of the key features of mediation that I think your listeners ought to be aware of is confidentiality. Right. So not only is the mediation itself confidential, but apart from governmental claims, the result is confidential which means that the employer never needs to let anyone know that they've paid off a particular employee, and the employee cannot be, you know, shouting to the rooftops to tell other employees how this has worked out. Um, so there's really a lot to be said for that. Don't forget that a trial is public. It's open to the public. It's open to the press. There's nothing that you can do to keep that confidential. You know, occasionally they have, you know, headline trials um, where they won't allow the press, but generally speaking, those are criminal things. Um, or it's just from the press, but not necessarily not the public record. But if you choose to mediate, particularly before a lawsuit has been filed, there is no public record of that dispute. Right. And that's a big feature for most people. Yes, and sometimes things can happen that are very surprising. I remember one time I mediated an employment dispute. A woman was a vice president of a of a like a medium sized company, and it was um, an interesting mediation because after the mediation and after the settlement, they really kind of resolved a lot of the anger. And there was a, a form of forgiveness and people saying they were sorry. And then they hired her back as an independent contractor. <laughs> so that was uh, that was really a surprise because that would never happen in litigation. And it turned out that they had a nice relationship going forward. And, and you can do some creative things like that in mediation. That would never happen if you were in litigation. That's right. That's right. I love those kinds of stories. I love the stories that end with, and you'd be surprised how many do, yeah. with a hug or at least a hearty handshake or at least an apology or an explanation in ways that folks couldn't get while they were um, in the heat of the dispute or before they, they um, split right. one another. Even in marriages, think about that. Right, exactly. So let's talk about what happens in a mediation. Um, you know, do you need a lawyer always? And also when you, some people are afraid that they don't even want to have to look at the, at the bad guy, so to speak. So can you address that, what your thoughts are? There is a variety of practices out there. The purest model is that you begin with what we call a joint session where everybody comes into the room. There's handshakes, there's explanation, communication, information sharing. Um, very often in Southern California, we do away with that and start with the parties separately 
so we can find those things out if they never want to see one another, and etc. Um, and some of it depends on whether they knew one another. So, for example, in an auto accident, your typical auto accident, you've got someone that was injured by somebody else's car, and in the other room, you've got their uh, car insurance adjuster. So those people never met, and they never will meet again. <laughs> it really doesn't. It doesn't have the same effect as if they were working together. Um, so. This beauty of mediation is it can be tailored to fit the issues. But I've just done my second of what I hope will be a series um, that are in-house. So neither party represented in an employment situation where our agency was built into their contract when they have a dispute. In both instances, the uh, employee is still employed at the company. And to have the ear for a full day of the HR manager who's, you know, maybe 10 years their senior in seniority at the company, um, but both work at the same company, and to have the ability to understand uh, the loyalty that these young people bring to the company and the hope for their future employment is really so powerful. It was so great to have. I was a little worried about it, to tell you the truth, because... I do almost exclusively litigated cases, or at least cases in which both sides are represented by lawyers. Mm-hmm. And by the way, in a lawsuit, uh, a corporation cannot be self-represented. Right. So once it gets to a lawsuit, there has to be a lawyer. Right, right. Um, but in these cases, because they weren't litigated, um, they, I just had people. And there were real hearty handshakes. There was a consideration of payment based on this guy's got a couple of kids at home and his wife doesn't work and he didn't get his bonus last year because we were disciplining him for something that maybe he didn't play the primary role in. It was a real human experience and that's really what we're after. Players, if you can get to a mediation without them, um, and sometimes it works far better, frankly, without the lawyers, so I'm no Shakespeare say we ought to do away with them because uh, I'm one of them. Right, right. And we've been speaking right now with um, Jan Frankel-Shaw, who is an attorney mediator in Los Angeles with ADR Services, which is a dispute resolution uh, organization. And she is also the author of a great book that I enjoyed reading that we've talked to her about on this show. It's called View from the Middle of the Road, A Mediator's Perspective on Life, Conflict, and Human Interaction. And that is, like you said, mediation is really about allowing people to be heard, which, you know, when when they're in a deposition, um, they can speak, but they it's not, they're, they're really on the hot seat. When they're at trial, they're on the hot seat, they're asked specific questions, they can't really, I mean, the attorneys will not let them speak to what really is the underlying hurt or feeling like you were just talking about with the guy who didn't get his bonus and he's got kids and he wasn't even involved or he wasn't even the major player in the problem. So that's the beauty of mediation is you actually get a chance to be heard. So let's just talk a little bit about... um, what happens when it doesn't settle? 
Mari. I'm not sure I can answer that. That's never happened. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> listen, um, those of us that are engaged as professional mediators follow up, and so it almost always settles. It just takes a while. Yeah, and sometimes um, they, they have to I think about it. I recently had an experience with someone that was in my office um, shadowing someone else, so she's just going into it, and she said, don't you just feel like an idiot when they don't settle? I said, no, I don't feel like an idiot. I just am sort of sorry because it's a lot more work for me than if they do settle on the day of the mediation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in most instances, uh, the mediator will stay engaged, um, will potentially make mediator's proposals, will um, wait until a particular event occurs, there's a deposition that's necessary, they need to have a meeting with the experts, they need to do something that they know that they can't do by the day of the mediation, and that's why it can't get resolved. They need to go to the next level of authority. Um, Sometimes it takes weeks or months, sometimes it just takes days, but very few cases end up actually going to trial after mediation. Right, and what I know some of the research that we've had through the Orange County Superior Court is even when when people go to mediation and it doesn't settle that day, it may settle within a week or two because of that, either with the help of the mediator or they've seen some things and learned some things and decided, you know what, um, the mediation really pushed it to that to that level that it can settle. So we are, believe it or not, Jan, we are out of time. So thank you so much for joining us. We, uh, we will have you back again. Just give your website, and it's time for us to go. www.shawmediation.com. I also have a blog on there called Shaw's Mediation Musings. And thank you so much for having me back, Mari. I really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, we love you, and we will have you back again. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org. Some people die for the opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.